This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.omf.ie Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock this morning. Thanks to Brian Redmond for the last two hours on The Breakfast Buffet. It's good to be back. I've been away for the last two weeks, so thanks to everyone who's held the fort on the show in my absence. Edwina, Stephen and Donald from the newsroom and to Deirdre Drummy who sat in the presenter's chair for the last two weeks. This morning on The Bottom Line, as business continues to emerge from over two years of COVID disruption, we talk about the new challenges faced by business leaders with the man who coaches, mentors and trains business leaders. We'll be hearing about the Powerhouse Picnic and talking to Melissa Doyle of Carlo Local Enterprise Office and Liz Morrissey of Elm Beauty and Morrissey's Pharmacy. But first, the big issue on this morning's programme is Kilkenny City traffic. It's an often contentious issue involving businesses, consumers and the local authorities charged with managing Kilkenny's infrastructure. It's fair to say that all come from different angles and have different points of view. It's a topic that encompasses many local and indeed universal elements, the quality of the experience on the streets for city dwellers, businesses, motorists and pedestrians, the challenges in maintaining viable city centre business and the role of the car, the quality of shoppers' experience, environmental considerations and the need to increase people's use of cycling, public transport and the simple shanks mayor all in the context of climate change and the challenges it brings. Since COVID, Kilkenny City Centre has operated under a one-way system introduced in the early stages of the pandemic to facilitate social distancing on the city's narrow footpaths. But this was presented as a temporary measure which was mandated for a defined period. And so, with that period coming to an end, the topic has moved centre stage once again. Should a one-way system be retained, or as many believe had been the plan, should the streets revert to two-way traffic? Yesterday, the elected public representatives for Kilkenny local authority in the Kilkenny City Municipal District decided to retain a one-way system with some fairly significant changes. It's a big issue for business and it's fair to say that it's an issue that has divided opinion. I've spoken to businesses who say that while not perfect what has been decided by the council is sensible and is moving in the right direction. Others I've spoken to say they feel betrayed. The measure was introduced on a temporary basis and what they are assured would not happen is happening. They say it's bad for business. Later I'll be joined by John Hurley of Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce to talk about how his business organisation feels about what has been decided. But first I'm pleased to be joined in studio by Mayor of Kilkenny, David Fitzgerald who chaired the meeting yesterday of uh, the group that decided to retain a one-way system. Good morning David. Good morning John. Um, How do you feel about this issue? Um, I feel... uh the responsibility as a public representative to try and uh, try and find the common ground between everybody. Um, I think there have been a number of what, what I would describe as competing forces. There's a number of different uh, concerns that people have had, whether it be around the business, around never mobility, um, around public safety. And when we sat down with the engineers over the last number of months, and this this debate has been going on at council level for months, both uh, in council meetings and in, in committee meetings and various representation groups that we've met, the overriding issue was public safety. 
one of the big big issues that we've learned from the uh, from the one-way system is that we were able to um, improve uh, public safety in certain points of the city. There are certain pinch points within the city, uh, particularly in Rosin Street, um, but also on the Parliament Street end of High Street, where if we had gone back to two-way, we were going to create public safety issues. And the engineers and the council officials were very clear with us in our discussions uh, and uh, that uh, we were at risk of putting the public in danger if we reverted to uh, footpaths which are effectively too narrow for the volume of traffic, pedestrian mm. traffic going through the city. Could you move and a bit closer to the microphone, that, David? Sorry. That, made a, that made a huge difference to the that made a huge difference to the thinking of the councillors. Councillors did not want to make a decision that was in any way going to put the public I at risk, um, and that was. The, the deciding factor in terms of one way versus two way. Mm. Just um, there is the issue though of the response to uh, the business community and so on. I'm reading from a statement that you issued yesterday and you said the current proposal to retain the current one way system ignores the voice of the local businesses and the removal of the system ignores disability groups and revokes the future of the urban mobility plan. You seem to recognise there that business doesn't want this. There have been a, there's been a very strong lobby against uh, retaining the one-way system, but it's not it doesn't reflect all businesses. Um, there uh, have been uh, strong voices both for and against the retention of the system, uh, and the business community themselves have found themselves uh, on different pages on this. Um, they have there have been a lot of meetings, particularly through the Kilkenny City Centre Task Force. Um, but also through the Chamber of Commerce, through the Kilkenny City Centre Business Association and through individual discussions with individual retailers. And look, there is no, there is no one common thread between all of these. One of the upsides of, 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 of the system that we've, we've brought in, the, new, the changes that we're proposing is, are as follows. Firstly, the disconnect between St. Patrick's Parish, St. Mary's Parish into the John Street John's Parish area through Rosin Street has been removed. So people can now come down through Patrick Street and get through the city and go over to Langton's or John Joe Cullen or up to the Kilford or wherever they do their business in, in John Street, uh, go straight through the city. That that disconnection uh, will, will change and will end with, this, with, with the alterations we're proposing. The second big change is the traffic coming to the end of Patrick Street was being forced into High Street. Um, so you had uh, you had tra High Street becoming almost a queuing lane to get down into the market yard. Again, we're n you're now going to be able to go straight through the traffic lights at the parade and go onto Bateman Quay and into the market yard without having to go into High Street and queue in High Street. Mm. But I've spoken to businesses who've said that um, uh, you know that they they're not against uh, a one-way system. They're not against uh, they're not against the car the. the priority of the car been diminished but uh, actually they feel this is a fudge and that um, you know it's not properly planned they would have been in favour of back to the two way system and planning properly and then bringing in a kind of a, a, a really robust one way system this isn't a fudge at all. This is actually a, 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 a progression from where we're where we, we've been at. We have learned from the the current one-way system. We've tried to take the best of what we've learned in that one-way system. We then tried to implement that uh, with a whole series of of, of alternative uh, changes and arrangements. And simple things like for your listeners, which are really important. If you're an older person, you you can you don't want to do everything online. So we, for example, we brought in set down on High Street, so people can come along. They can drop off somebody with a mobile difficulty or an older person who wants to collect their pension, go to the credit union, go to the pharmacy, do their messages. 
So the set down going to be uh, made available to High Street. We're going to reduce the amount of loading uh, facilities on High Street and try and bring it back to the customer. So we're trying to bring more customers back into the High Street area. Um, we're looking at removing a significant amount of the bollards and, and, and the, um, the obstacles which the, the one-way system has brought in. Um, we're looking at a whole range of extra extra ideas. For example, we're looking at banning all coaches through the city centre. At the moment, a coach can drive down John Street and up into Rosen Street and effectively block off the whole city centre. It's also, uh, it's also potentially a dangerous vehicle, just given the size and scale of it. So, w councillors have listened and out of that we came up with eight actions along with the, 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 the change of the rotation of the traffic so instead of it, it going uh, clockwise which it is at the moment we're going to go anti-clockwise and that should bring in a whole range of improvements in terms of the flow of traffic and the accessibility while at the same time not putting people at risk on the footpath and that, so that people have to, we keep having to come back to that issue you cannot get away from the importance uh, that we, as a narrow medieval city with, with significant pinch points, two-way traffic means the pedestrian literally has a couple of feet to stand on on the footpath. Anybody with a buggy, anybody with a wheelchair, anybody with a mobility difficulty, they are at risk. So safety is a huge issue. Um, how come the, 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 the lack of safety of the two-way system wasn't uh, such a priority up until the pandemic? But since I got elected back in 2009, um, there have been the discussions around one-way systems and around alternatives to trying to find a, a way around to, to improve public safety on the, on, on the streets. Uh, so it's not a case that this is a new debate. This is actually quite an old debate. Um, the the, 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 the uh, changes that were brought in, which were effectively a public health measure, remember, they were brought in for, for social distancing purposes. Uh, they were primarily, uh, they have given us a lot of information which we now can use and we can now modify and advance the system so that it, 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 it's a safer system. But we also think it's going to work better for business. I mean, look, I, I, I fully understand the challenges for anybody who in, is in business at the moment. This is not an easy time to be in business. With, with It's not an easy time on so many different fronts. But we as councillors could bury our heads in the sand make no decision or just go back to one way. But I'm, I'm, I'm from the progressive school of, of, of politics. I believe that it's our responsibility to make progressive change and to try and deal with the issues that we find. And public safety is number one, obviously the future and the core of our city centre. And I've spoken on, on, on this station on so many occasions about the importance of keeping our city alive and keeping our city businesses supported. The amount of jobs that those businesses support the amount of livelihoods that they support are hugely, um, hugely important as, um, for, for me as a public representative. Mm. But I can't. I, but at the same time, I can't ignore when an engineer says to me that if you go back to a two-way system, there is a risk that you're going to put public safety uh, on the line. Mm. There's a, a text in from an Arctic driver who's saying that um, he'll have issues coming down uh, John Street and try, or coming down Rosin Street and trying to turn left into Bateman Quay. It's a kind of technical issue. Have the, um, you know, the details of uh, or the ramifications or the detailed traffic management uh, aspects of the, the the proposal as or the the system that's going to be running been run by professionals and as in were engineers involved in coming up with this uh, particular uh, solution that you're going to implement? Just specifically about your Arctic driver, the, the fact of the matter is Arctic trucks uh, drive into the Dunn stores loading bay every day of the week. 
So, so there are, there is sufficient capacity. Knock down Rosin Street, though, and into there, there, there should never Arctic trucks should never be coming down Rosin Street. Any Arctic co- truck that is entering into the Market Yard area should be coming down John, coming down High, sorry, coming down John Street and turning over over the over John's Bridge. They should. But will be they be able to do that under the proposed will, uh, system? That that is that is unchanged. So that remains exactly as it is. Be good to clear that so, up. So, so. Um, where we're where we're at is that we have set out a timeline to allow the engineers to uh, to undertake a full analysis of the proposal yesterday. Uh, this will not be imp- implemented until the early autumn period. We are going to remain with the current system until the end of the summer. It would be unfair on everybody in the middle of a tourism sy- season to uh, to change the system. So the system will stay stay put until the schools go back, and probably a little bit a little bit after the schools go back to allow the schools themselves to settle down. Because as as we all know, the first few weeks of school traffic is a bit chaotic um, as we all get back into the into the school routine. But in the autumn period, generally the, the second half of September, October is a, is a, can be a, a quieter period and at that stage we would hope to have all the detail worked out and we'll be able to implement it. And it's a trial, remember, we are not, this is not a, this is not a permanent long-term decision. The permanent decision about, about traffic in Kilkenny City will be when we adopt the mobility plan and the traffic plan for Kilkenny City and that is approximately two to three years away. Okay, uh, what about the practicalities of the, the amount of change? Because you've spent about uh, 18 months to two years with the current system. It's going to change then, like, so people who are used to driving one way down High Street will all of a sudden have to adapt to driving the other direction. And then possibly, again, in another couple of years, depending on the mobility plan, it may change again. Pretty confusing for motorists, um, everybody, pedestrians and so on. Well, I made the point at yesterday's meeting that actually there's lots of pieces of Kilkenny that are already one way. You know, you go down to, uh, you go into John's Green, that's one way. You go into Modlin Street, Michael Street, you go into Friary Street. But generally, if it's changed Ormond one way, Street, it stays that way for years and years. About to go one way. No, yeah. My point is this, uh, Kieran Street is, 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 is pedestrianised. So Kilkenny has been evolving, and I think this is an important point. We want to, as councillors, we want to see the city evolve into a system which can work for everybody rather than get into a revolution whereby we made huge changes overnight and it's it's done and dusted. We want to try and use this time to trial a couple of options, see whether they work. If they don't, we'll learn from that experience. If they do, it'll inform us in terms of the final plan we'll adopt. So uh, one of the things that we have agreed as part of our eight extra measures along with the change is that we, we have asked the local authority to uh, engage in a very comprehensive shop local information campaign so we want we want the local authority to spend its money um, promoting our local businesses asking people to come into Kilkenny city centre and do their shopping over the summer autumn for Christmas and also giving them information about the changes that are that are being made so that they know in advance before they come to the city that there are some changes and they'll have an opportunity to either look that up online or there may be information in your local newspaper and hopefully here on KCLR we'll be back talking to you about the changes so that people know there have been changes and just to be prepared for that. What about the whole uh, 
kind of circling back to the thing about how the business community uh, feels about it, I have the sense that the Kilkenny City Business uh, Association, I think they say they represent 144 businesses, they seem to come out pretty much uh, against it. I spoke to some leading members of that yesterday. They were talking about feelings of betrayal, deep disappointment and so on. Um, You know, maybe they were just raw after the meeting, but the sense I got was that they felt, you know, I'd spoken to a number of people who said that they said, no, look, the, the one way is going to be temporary. It's a COVID measure. Uh, it's not a backdoor measure to bring in uh, a one-way system. I felt they they felt a bit raw after. What would you say to those people? I at first I acknowledge that they felt raw. I mean, I, I I've met with them. I know many of the members of the association. I sat down with them. Uh, the fact of the matter is, and I and I say this publicly, uh, there wasn't there weren't enough votes in the room to bring it back to two-way. Councillors were not. There were no, there. There simply was not a majority to bring back the two-way system. Cal- they, the councillors, had been lobbied extensively by the city centre business association and many others. And councillors formed a view uh, that they were, uh, and they listened to the, the advice of the engineers and the executive, and they said that they were not going to go back to a two-way system if that system was going to put people at risk. And that was ultimately where the decision came from. I understand. That people were very disappointed, and I and I appreciate the amount of time that a number of of, of uh, people put into into this campaign, and I can understand when you don't get the result, you're very disappointed, uh, and I and, and I would have sat down with these people on many occasions and discussed it with them, but there simply was not the appetite at a uh, at a council level to go back to a two-way system. And it what do you think that says it about... Just, it just didn't have the support. Yeah, and, and what do you think that says about the relationship between council and business, uh, if I was to put that on, you know, because if there are over 100 businesses and they feel, you know, you're saying that the, the votes weren't in the room to, to address what they wanted, what what does that say to you, to your mind, about where we're at with be, the relationship between business and, and our local authority? The, the local authority relies on the business community to pay the rates. It's a, it's a major source of funding for our local authority. The life of our city is, is at the very heart of what we do as a local authority. We have to ensure that Kilkenny remains the strong, vibrant economic hub of our county for many years to come. So the business community have to be at the heart of that discussion. And that's why we established at the very start of this term as a council we established the city centre task force to try and focus on city centre issues and try and find solutions going forward. Clearly COVID happened in the meantime and clearly we had a public health measure. We can't unknow what we learned from that public health measure and that public health measure rightly or wrongly gave us a lot of information about traffic flows within the city and also identified some key issues around footpaths, pedestrians and how people are moving through the city. What we saw in 2020 and 2021, particularly as people staycationed in Ireland, was that there was a huge there was a huge growth in the amount of footfall through streets like Rose Inn Street, for example. And if that if we went back to two-way on, on Rose Inn Street, you would have found that we would have had large volumes of pedestrians trying to work on, you know, two and a half, three feet of footpath at certain pinch points. Um, People accumulated, for example, around Kitty's cabin on that on the corner of Canal Square, uh, just to get their ice cream or whatever it is. That then forces other people out onto the onto the the carriageway. So what we find, what we we can't unknow all that. We have to we ha- we have to deal with the information we have, and 
sometimes this is this is the responsibility of government. I mean, uh, there were councillors who, in my view, took grandstanded and they said no, 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 and they they took the view that yeah, well, we can, uh, you know, we we can we can talk about uh, promises that they thought were made or, or otherwise. But the truth of the matter is. We're elected, like all public representatives, all politicians, we're elected for to, to provide solutions. We're not, we're, if, if, if I want to be politically prop popular, I would oppose everything. Because everything, because every, every proposal, almost every proposal, there's somebody against it. So uh, that's not my, that has never been my, my, my bread and butter in, in public life. My bread and butter has been to try and make the right decision, even if that at times has put me in difficult places. And, and, uh, I and I stand over those decisions, and if I make a wrong decision, I'll be the first, absolutely the first, to stand up and say I got it wrong. But I actually believe yesterday's decision was a really good decision, and I think people will see in the autumn, as we go into the, into the Christmas period, including the business community, that this is a, a very good modification of the system, which, again, protects public safety. And how do we stop it, finally, uh, from becoming a really bitter and contentious issue? Because we've seen that with traffic measures in the past. Ergo, the bridge uh, debate it became very bitter and, and divisive, um, you know, when decisions were made. But some people, you know, just felt that it was the wrong decision and ke kept at it and became divisive. Has this the potential to become that again? Two things, as far as I'm concerned. One is public consultation. You have to keep talking to people, even if you disagree with them. You, can't, you have to stay in the room. You have to keep trying to talk it through and trying to find a solution and trying to find, uh, find the common ground. Secondly, people have to also understand that, that we live in a democracy and, and there are decisions that are made locally and nationally, which all of us at times struggle with. But as a in a democratic society, you also have to respect that if that is what the majority have decided, you then have to respect that decision and, and move on. And you can't simply just keep going back over the old battles. If we did that, we'd have no divorce. We'd have no none of the big social changes we've seen in this country over the last 40 years. Um, and, and I think it's important that... I, and I know there are people sore with me this morning. I, I'm, I'm, not going to, I'm not going to say everybody's happy with David Fitzgerald today. Of course they are. Mm. But you know what? I'm here to work for them. I want to see their businesses open. I want to see Kilkenny thrive. We all, I'm, I'm, I'm on the same page as them on that. But we have to, as public representatives, do the right thing for the entire population, not just, just for any one particular sector or section. So move on and keep talking to each other. No, no, I don't mean move on. I, I hate that term when people say to you, "Oh, just get over it, move on." I don't, I don't mean in that sense. And I, 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 what I mean is that it's a difficult decision, and I, I'd ask people to try and think, try and, and 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 look at the detail of what we what we have said. Look how that actually really changes the system, and in my view, will significantly improve the system. And keep talking to us because, again, we're not at the end of the road here. The end of the road is about three years away when we make the final decision, and that will be when uh, everybody will have to live with that decision. Okay, David Fitzgerald, um, newly elected mayor of Kilkenny, thank you very much for coming in to us this morning and talking to us on the bottom line. Thank you, John. Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR. Casey Law, indeed, you're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business. And apologies to uh, listeners, uh, we had a bit of a sound issue there with uh, David Fitzgerald, whose voice may have sounded a bit distant for the majority of uh, the interview there. So apologies for that. And we got to the bottom of that issue just before the end of the interview. Now, we're going to stick with Kilkenny City uh, Traffic Management. And I'm joined on the line by John Hurley, who's Chief Executive of Kilkenny Chamber. John, it's a, a contentious issue and I think uh, Kilkenny Chamber took a neutral 
a pretty neutral stance on it. Why was that? Well, Kilkenny Chamber uh, has been to the fore really uh, over the past weeks and months in, you know, facilitating debate and discussion on this issue. It is really, really important. And what did you want to see happen, John? Did you want to see it retained or back to a two-way system? The bottom line for the Chamber was really uh, to do whatever is necessary to present our city as a great place to live, visit. And what did you think that was and what, what, what were you saying to the elected representatives they should do? So what we we did was we've met with the elected representatives and the business people uh, and we've, you know, courted for um, people's opinions and everything and it was coming across to us extremely clearly uh, that there was a wide diversity of views and opinions on what's best here. Mm. So what we needed was really to hear those uh, opinions, understand what's behind them uh, and today what we have is a proposition um, and we welcome the debate, we welcome this move to something because really at the end of the day the key Eating that kills business and that businesses find it very dip- difficult to grapple with is the um, lack of certainty and not knowing what's coming down the tracks. What would you so say to people who said that the chamber sat on the fence really and didn't represent the views of the dozens, as I understand it, retailers who were actually against this? Uh, the Chamber has been extremely active in this whole area. We've been uh, engaging every meeting, many of which we called ourselves, uh, every debate, every forum where this was being discussed, including um, multiple um, attention attendance at uh, interviews like this on KCLR radio. Um, and indeed, we also conducted our own surveys back in August and October, well in anticipation of all of this, at a time when the County Council was doing theirs as well. So the Chamber has been very, very vocal and very, very uh, engaged in the whole process and the challenge really is that it's not a simple black or white mm. uh, there's a multiplicity of options that could be taken and what the, the council has decided now is to adopt you know a, a combination of those and i think the key thing now is t- to get that moving let's mm. get that in place uh, and i'm particularly interested in the aspects there where they had six or seven um changes and proposals to come up including and this is really important consultation with bus operators and consultation with the business owners in the market yard and I would strongly encourage any business owners in those contexts to engage with that consultation mm. because at the end of the day that's where you get your voice heard yeah we um you know the the mayor acknowledging that many businesses uh, feel sore um you know I, I put it to you that you know some people were quite critical that I spoke to of the chamber what would you say to those people now and where do we go with this uh, it's not really a debate because if the engineers agree it, it's going to become a fact but uh, you know, Kilkenny, Carlow, everywhere, it, there's a need for unity between the business community, local authorities and consumers. How do we get that back? Well, in fairness, I would mention there's a very strong and positive um, uh, um, relationship between the Chamber of Commerce and the local authority on making decisions like this. The other point there that you just made as well is that uh, the engagement of, biz- of, of um, engineers and what their views are. At the end of the day, we have to do this logically and practically and in a way that it's going to actually work so that traffic uh, can flow, that people can get access to places they, w- they want to get to and that it won't discourage, that it will in fact encourage people to come to Kilkenny. It's another good reason people are already coming to Kilkenny um, uh, very positively and, and in their flocks. We want that to continue and for more of it, that will only happen if we get this right. Mm, well, I think that a significant part of it is a shop local campaign and the Chamber of Commerce runs its own Kilkenny gift voucher as part of that 
encouraging people to shop local, support local businesses. Mm. And that's something now that we need to do and make as part of this overall discussion so that people will be comfortable with whatever the new system is going to be. It will get us around the Kilkenny. It will get us to where we want to be and it will enable us to support local businesses. Okay, well, look, we have to leave it there. I have to say uh, the text machine is hopping this morning. People are phoning into the station, but we don't have time to go into everything. But we will be discussing all this uh, and more on Case or Live and and the way it is, I'm sure, over the coming days. And you, John, and everybody in the business community, welcome to participate in that debate here on KCLR. Thanks, John. OK, that's uh, John Hurley, Chief Executive of Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce. We're going to take a break and we're back to talk about something completely different on The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie Carlo Kilkenny KCLR Casey Law indeed and like I said lots of texts and messages come to this station uh, one caller said they witnessed an ambulance struggling to get down High Street last week due to the clogging of traffic and this is an issue another one said it took her 20 minutes to get from the castle to the market yard and says it's off-putting these are the kind of issues people face and these are the kind of things that we'll be discussing in the coming days here on Casey Law and solutions will have to be found but we're moving on from the issue of traffic and turning our attention to the issue of business leaders adapting to the changing and challenging business environment in which we all operate and I suppose you could include uh, traffic in that somewhere in the mix and during the week I was delighted to have an opportunity to meet meet Reg Friddle, a Kilkenny based coach, trainer and executive mentor who works with businesses of all sizes across a variety of sectors through his business Preferred Future I started by asking Reg what he thought are the key issues facing business leaders as we emerge into a post lockdown world there's probably three key ones. There's many more, but three key ones that I'm finding is how do you make sense of the hybrid working world where you've got some of your teams and some of your workforce who've been used to and become familiar and also highly productive in a home working environment. And a lot of my clients are now trying to bring those people back into the work environment, into their the premises, at least for a couple of days a week or in some kind of hybrid model. And they're really struggling with getting that right. I don't think there is a playbook yet for how to do hybrid and blended working 100% well. So people are learning as they're going, they're experimenting, they're making mistakes. And that's part of this brand new world that we find ourselves in. So one of the key challenges I find is how do you make sense of hybrid working, both in terms of the practicalities of doing it, and second, bringing your workforce along with you so that they're engaged and committed and bought in mm. to the hybrid working. So because when people one. grabbed their computers and headed out the door in, in kind of March 2020, it was a very brutal kind of, um, you know, one size fits all, get out. But uh, companies have adapted and changed differently and it's uh, presumably not as simple as just back to the office. What are the principles and what should people be thinking about? Because many companies have worked very well and many people have enjoyed uh, you know, working from home and so on. I think people have enjoyed that and so some of the key principles they've enjoyed it and they've been productive and there's a good bit of research that's shown both anecdotally from some of my clients and in wider research that they've been very productive and maybe even more productive than when they were in the physical environment of of the work office so the key principles that I think are coming coming forward are how do I get the buy-in from my 
from my team and from my workforce? How do I um, get them engaged with even a dialogue around coming back. Yes, we can force them to come back. We can be a bit command and control in that style. But I think a lot of that style of leadership is quite old-fashioned now. People are expecting much more of a relationship with their employer, where it's a bit more two-way, that they can say what they want, they can talk about their their needs as employees, and that the employer will listen. It may not The employer may not always be able to respond in the way the employees want, but that they're listening and that they're open. So one of those key principles, I think, for leadership is that ability to listen and understand and engage because the world of work has completely changed. Yeah, and I, and I know you talk about um, a new cycle psychological contract around work. Tell us about that and what what that means and what's involved in it. I'd say it means a couple of things. Firstly, whereas you may may have had that command and control leadership style or something that was more authoritarian where do it my way, it's the only way. Is that the kind of Michael O'Leary, Ryanair model, which is like we're doing this, uh, you can't charge your phone over there, this is what the company's about, full steam ahead, and if you don't like that, you don't want to work here. It might have been that kind of thing. And there is some obvious value to that so we don't want to throw everything out with that directive style of leadership but that psychological contract is changing the assumptions around work and why I come to work and what I want from my employer and what I what I can give has changed people want to talk more about uh, well-being for example and how I can keep picking up the kids from school or, or manage the four-hour commute each way into work uh, alongside being a, a productive employee with uh, uh, an ability to perform and develop my career and grow. So that's what I mean about that contract. I think it's shifting. The assumptions that we used to base our relationships with our employers, they're changing. And I think the agility around leadership, one of those key principles is how can leaders listen to and respond to that? And how do leaders equip themselves, given that um, you know, the world pre-COVID was Monday to Friday or Monday to Saturday or Tuesday, whatever it was, pretty straightforward business model. And now what you're talking about is very complex um, you know we're, we're teetering around whether we're going to have a recession or not mm. business leaders have a lot on their plates but how do they get their heads around all this kind of stuff that you're saying mm. there's no direct answers for well I think uh, sometimes the answer comes when you ask the right question and for me the key part here is it's always been like this what is the quality of the relationship I have with my workforce with my teams with my direct line managers and with those managers teams so down the hierarchy as leaders what is the quality of those conversations i didn't say the quantity of those conversations by quality i mean are you listening are you asking people have you done that task have you provided those reports have you done the performance that i expect of you are you delivering results yes have those but also how are you getting on conversations what's it been like for you um what do you need from me what do you need from us what are your hopes for the future what's motivating you what are you learning how are you growing and those kind of conversations are to do with quality and they're internal coaching conversations they're the ones that I have with leaders as an external coach but I think a lot of leaders can develop that skill set to listen and challenge and question and be sensitive and aware of the needs of their staff members Mm. and that's what I mean as well as that harder style around performance there's a softer skill set 
Yeah, and so do you think um, leaders need to broaden out the types of conversations away from just like how are we doing and dealing with sales queries that come in on phone to how are you feeling about your job and or do you think you're healthy enough and like are we giving you you know to more of yeah, the personal? I, I think so, and I don't. And is that a post COVID? It, it's always been there, but it's particularly post COVID. Particularly, and I think it's particularly now. Uh, there's some recent research from Microsoft, but only came, which only came out two months ago around this change in. Uh, the psychological contracts and one of the five one of the five key recommendations is you have to have the conversations around well-being and I don't mean soft touchy-feely conversations um, that some people might stereotype them I mean really what's your pressure like what's the stress levels how are you managing everything what can we do to support you and help you can I as the leader help to delegate differently to your portion work or uh, take things off you to give you more time to do something else so it's the quality of the questions and the listening and if you boil it down it's what is your intention as a leader is it just to deliver product and service or is it to bring your people along with you and with the war on talent and the war for retention being not just a, a, an idea but something very real that leaders are grappling with the quality of those conversations are needed now more than ever mm. to hold on to and grow your workforce I know uh, another uh, string to your bow so to speak is one executive leadership coaching and mm. so on what are the most common kind of um, issues and how can you be of help to people around that and, and what kind of changes do you see when people open themselves to that kind of relationship the challenges and opportunities that leadership coaching can help to overcome include well the main ones are just giving a leader some time and space uh, we're in the weeds so much when we are when you're in operational mode taking on tasks doing things thinking about the next customer the next client the next delivery the next problem and we all need to do that as leaders but coaching gives you time to zoom out to gain perspective to get out of the weeds and things from above a helicopter view down and you can look at the pieces of your business and your workforce and your teams and, and your customers and you can be a bit more strategic so instead of being stuck in the operational you can step out and being a sounding board which is what a coach is at least in large part to give someone that headspace I think is crucial the second opportunity I'd say is to put some strategies in place so it, when you start to say things to a coach or to someone else who's not directly connected to your business, someone impartial you can start to come up with solutions and ideas that you've never had before because you're not going to be judged no one's going to critique you, they might challenge your thinking but they won't say that's a bad idea, they'll say tell me more about that how might you do that, what are the opportunities and challenges, so I think coaching provides firstly that perspective sec and the sounding board, the second is the chance to think new thoughts which as leaders we need time and space to do and the third part of the coaching is to the underpinning and what will you do with that learning that we've just covered for the last hour how will you apply it what will you implement so it's someone who can then hold you account so when you take those three together being a sounding board helping someone think through ideas and then implementing those ideas it's a really valuable uh, opportunity for leaders to just step out of those weeds Absolutely. Step out of the weeds. Ignore to finish on. Uh, thank you very much. That's Reg Friddle and his company's called Preferred Future. And you can find out more about Reg and services he provides by checking out www.preferred-future.com. That's preferred-future.com. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, offering a broad range of business and advisory services to businesses large and small across the Southeast. Carlo Kilkenny, KCLR. 
Casey Lauren Deed, you're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on the channel and lots going on in business and the Powerhouse Picnic is something that's happening next week and if you're a woman in business, it's something that you should have on your agenda. I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Melissa Doyle, who's business advisor uh, with Carlo Local Enterprise Office and also Liz Morrissey from Morrissey Pharmacy, who's going to be one of the speakers. You're both very welcome to The Bottom Line this morning, ladies. Morning, time, Graham. Thanks, Melissa. Starting with you, um, uh, just give us the idea or tell us what the um, the picnic is all about, the Powerhouse Picnic. So basically, the Powerhouse Picnic, John, is all about, um, it's aimed at female entrepreneurs and it's there to design, to promote an, uh, the role of women within business in Carlow and in the county itself. Uh, the programme aims to empower and motivate the women to succeed in their entrepreneurship and also in their self-employment within the county. Um, so by doing the summer picnic is basically a free kind of event for people to come in um, in a, a kind of a natural free environment where they are feeling comfortable, that they can network with each other, get the networking with the right people and start kind of ex- exploiting opportunities that they wouldn't have had originally. Um, it's also kind of structured that businesses that have you know, that need that help to, I suppose, identify themselves, develop themselves and act on any opportunities that are there for them. Yeah, now it's on the 29th of June. That's Tuesday, I think, is it? Or is it Wednesday? I, mean, I always get a bit lost. Yeah, it's the Wednesday in the Woodford Dolman Hotel. Wednesday, so apologies for any confusion. It's in the Woodford Dolman and it kicks off at 5.45. A very impressive panel of uh, ladies you've got. It's going to be chaired by Lucy Kennedy, who is a really great crack and really good at connecting with people on her TV and radio work. Yeah, she's brilliant. She um, She's going to MC the event. Uh, we also have the lovely um, Anna Mae McHugh, who's the town queen, as we all know. And um, We have Kim McKenzie-Doyle, who is the founder of The Big Idea. Spoke to her on the show about three weeks ago, I think it was. Uh, yeah, so she's there on the, on the panel also. Uh, we have Katrina Cullen of Cullen Nurseries and Sandra Nolan of PrettyMess.ie who has just recently started her clothing line online. Mm. Uh, the lovely Liz Morrissey. And, and Liz Morrissey and by the wonders of technology Liz joins us on the phone. Liz, good morning to you. You're of course Ellen Beauty and Mar- Morrissey's Pharmacy. Tell us about your business and uh, you know the issues you may feel you face particularly as a woman. Um, Well, I'm second generation family business in the pharmacy, so I'm in um, that business for 12 years now, which feels that makes me sound very old. But um, yeah, and I suppose I was definitely in the trenches of um, that business when I first uh, moved home to take on the running of the family business. And two years later, kind of when things settled and I had the handle of it, we we opened another pharmacy. Um, And um, then after that, I... Um, was like had my first child, had my first baby, and that was a real game changer for me. Like obviously life changing as a woman, but um, for me, I had to set up my business to run without me. So I had to put in either a person or a protocol for absolutely everything I did. And for me, that changed my perspective on the business. And that's when I started to look for the support and for advice and expertise outside of that. And I suppose like the that's where you know places like the local enterprise but also networks of women really 
come into their strengths like um, running a business can be a very lonely place and but also it's, oftentimes you don't know where to turn for support mm. and I like I then um, on my second return to leave that's when I um, had the idea for Ellen which is a beauty business but it's because I'm hugely passionate about women and all they do and how multifaceted how many different hats we have to wear and for the need for them to take care of themselves so like that goes hand in hand with women in business needing to support each other I think women supporting each other is a very powerful thing and I think that like people, women in business are going to support your business so whether you're at kind of conception stage of your business or whether you're like second generation family business in your business a long time you're always going to learn something you're always going to get some advice you're always going to pick something up from other people who are in business so yeah yeah those networks are so important and melissa this started in uh, 2020 i think the network like the 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 picnic isn't coming out of the blue you've been building up with a series of monthly events they've been very useful i think they have john yes so we started this back in june 2021 Um, and with covid obviously there was no physical events so the physical events only started this year, um, just in March. So we had our first physical event in March, where it was a lunchtime event, basically, um, where all women came in, met up, had a little bit to eat, built their networks at the same time, got themselves feeling a little bit more comfortable with speaking to people, speaking in public, you know, kind of spreading their word about what they do and what their passion was. And also then we would have expert speakers who would come in um talk to the women on certain issues that are critical in their business to help them grow and develop their business, whether that's nation- nationally or internationally. So it's been a really helpful um, event for, for many women across the county. And I know um, Liz has come to many of our events over the last couple of months. So mm. um, the next part of this stage. <laughs> well, look, we're, we're hoping for good weather and all that, but presumably this being Ireland, you'll have contingency plans in place. But tell us, if someone's listening and they want to rock along, what do they do? It's a free event, which is really good. Yes, so it's a free event. So basically anyone that wants to come along, it's opened to not just Carlo, it's opened uh, abroad and to anyone that wants to come. Kilkenny um, even. Yeah, anyone at all can come. Um, it's open widely, so everyone's very welcome to come and um, all they have to do is log on to the local enterprise um, carlo uh, website or they can contact myself on email and um, which is mdoyle at carlococo.ie okay melissa thanks very much unfortunately that's all we've got time for thanks to melissa doyle and liz morrissey good morning ladies and enjoy the rest of saturday Many thanks, John. Talk to you. Bye. That's unfortunately all we've got time for this week on The Bottom Line. If you have any comments or ideas or queries you'd like to get to us, email The Bottom Line at kclaw96fm.com or if you'd like to listen back, you know what to do. Just search The Bottom Line on Apple Store, Google Play or Spotify. Thanks to all our guests this week, Mayor David Fitzgerald, John Hurley, Reg Friddle, Melissa Doyle and Liz Mercy. Thanks to Deirdre Drummy who produced the show and thanks most of all to you for listening. We'll be back next Saturday for another programme for about business. Edward Hayden is up next. We've got lots more to keep you informed, entertained and up to date on Casey Law online, on air and across all our platforms and on the fantastic Casey Law app. Do check it out. But until we speak again, for me, John Purcell, have yourself a good week. Keep safe, keep cool and keep the faith. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you in association with Emile Foley Accountants. Our website, onf.ie, shows the full range of services we provide to businesses large and small.